0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here today. We're going to begin today in Genesis chapter 11. We'll start there in just a moment, but first, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today to study it, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination, understanding to us. We thank you, Father. Help us to take your word and begin to apply it today, and we thank you that it's working mightily in our lives in Jesus' name, and we all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, my friends, a little reminder. Uh, we do have our Israel tour online. If you want to go online, you can see it on the—it's actually the second slider. Just click on that from the home And it will take you to the entire brochure, okay? And you can call the 800 number and get registered, or you could go to the travel agency news uh, website and register there. It's very easy. And I look forward to seeing you on a spectacular tour to Israel. If you want to just call the 800 number directly and uh, let one of the travel agents help you get registered, the number is one 800 929-4684 929-4684 and select option two. And they'll get you all fixed up. Praise God. Now, those are uh, who are signing up have got their seat on the bus. Amen. But if you really want to go, I want you to go ahead and get registered now. That way you can uh, have a smooth, orderly transition. Everything planned out. That's the way to do it. Amen. The date's May 7th through the 17th. 2023. So you have plenty of time, but it's always good to be ahead of the curve. Praise God. All right. Let me also share before we jump into today's message that we are very close now to Yom Kippur and the Holy Spirit instructed me to share with you to sow a seed and connect with the anointing that rides on this very special day of Yom Kippur, which from its origins has always been associated with debt forgiveness. And as you sow your seed, the Lord wants you to believe for debt forgiveness, that he will bring you out of debt, that all of your debts can be paid off, and that you can step out of debt into a place a new place of a greater expansion of financial freedom, and I want to say thank you for sowing your seed. Now, uh, Yom Kippur this year is October 4th, begins at sunset, and then it's all day on the 5th, all day long on the 5th, and it ends at sunset on the 5th. And I would like for you to get your your special debt-free seed in. You're sowing a seed for debt freedom. I would like for you to get it in between now. And October 4th or 5th. Now, you can sow it on Yom Kippur if you so desire. That's totally fine. But I want you to get it in because I'm praying over the offerings, the seeds that are being sown, and the Lord spoke to me. And I believe that He is going to supernaturally move on your behalf to get you out of debt and into a greater place of financial liberty where you are free to serve Him more effectively and not be encumbered with debt. Praise God. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, let's jump into today's message. We're going to talk about a subject that should be of interest to any Christian, and I know it is for you, and I'm going to talk today about your perfect kingdom dream. Now, when I use the expression dream, I'm I'm really not talking about the type of dreams that you would have at night. Now, that is biblical, and we see that in the Bible with many dreamers, especially Joseph, and they would have these dreams at nighttime. And uh, uh, these dreams were messages conveyed by God to them in these special dreams. Of course, not all dreams are from God, and that's very important to understand. There was a teacher um, some years back, not too long ago, but some years back, and he was uh, maybe about two decades, and he was teaching that all dreams are from God. And I, uh, I, I greatly do not agree with that. <laughs> so uh, you have to be careful. That's like saying all miracles are from God. No, uh, e- even Satan can transform himself, change himself into an angel of light with an appearance of being an angel of light. So you have to watch out in these areas. And, um, you know, really you want You want scripture. You want chapter verse. If a person says all dreams are from God, well, then give me chapter and verse on that or that all miracles are all the supernatural is from God. No, it's not. Um, So uh, don't don't be afraid to get into the Bible and challenge things that when maybe they're spoken or said, kind of crisscross the wires and uh, uh, be alert on those types of things. It is interesting. I know that the particular minister that was teaching that, um, he had some issues behind the scenes, and uh, I, I'm not going to share any of that. Of course, that's private. I was allowed to be aware of that. So sometimes when there's really bizarre statements like that, um, it's coming from a, a platform that has been compromised. So we need to be aware of these things. We are in the last days, and I've never seen so much uh, false prophetic activity. And that's one of the signs of the time. So it's not like we could stop it or get rid of them. Uh, But there are false prophets, um, unlike anything I've ever seen before, especially um, coming out of South Africa and also certain parts of Nigeria. Now, there's many good prophets, too. But uh, in some nations, uh, the prophetic has almost been turned into like a carnival or a circus. And uh, that's not going to go on too much longer. Some of those things God is going to deal with. But when I'm talking about dreams, yes, there are dreams at night that God can give you. But a dream that we're going to talk about today is a mental picture of a desired end. I want to say it again. The dream that God has placed within your heart is a mental picture, okay, of a desired end. It's somewhere that you want to go. It's something that you're wanting to step into. And I tell you what, God's going to do it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to talk further about this today. A dream helps us to be able to paint a picture of our desired end, and that dream also supplies us with the inner strength to accomplish it. So when God calls you to do something, there is going to be a grace and an empowerment to fulfill it. And that's very good to know. Now we're going to jump over now to Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to take a look at these fellows that were endeavoring to build a tower. They had a dream. They had a corporate vision, a corporate unity, and it was so powerful that the lord had to come down in order to put the brakes on the situation because they were actually going to get it done genesis chapter 11 verse verse 1 now the whole earth had one language and one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of shinar and they dwelt there then they said to one another come Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they imagine will be withheld from them. So the uh, excuse me, verse seven, come, let us go down, and there confused their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So they had tremendous ambition, and they had a capability once they got started to be able to, uh, to pull this off. But we could say that when God came down, that he, he frustrated their dream. He he threw a wrench in their system and it produced a termination of that project. And they realized it, it's over with. We can't go any further with this. But why did God insist on putting the brakes on this project? Primarily when you when you consider it all. Primarily because this dream that they had was not god-centered. Not by any means. It was not God-centered. So here's the thing. If a dream is not God-centered, before it is even launched, before the first brick is even laid, it's already doomed to destruction. Wow. Even if somehow you got it built, (laughs) which God, in this case, didn't allow it to be built, but even if you had a dream and you somehow pulled it off, if it's not God-centered, you will not receive one reward for having done that when you step over into eternity. And as a Christian, if you did something and you think, well, God's bound to reward this, but my friends, if it's not God-centered and it was for your own glory, then God cannot bless or honor Disobedience. So there is no reward involved. Now here's the catch. When the expansion of God's kingdom is the reason for our dreams, then God notices that and then He can commit Himself to the accomplishment of that dream. And that's very, very important that the kingdom of God and its advancement is first and foremost on our hearts. Yes, we love the Lord with all of our heart, but when you love the Lord with all of your heart, you want to see his agenda, his kingdom interest move forward throughout the earth. Praise God. You know, I was talking to someone just a couple of days ago, a young man, he was in his twenties and, uh, you know, he, he has uh, dreams and plans, things that are cooking around in him, you know, that he wants to do and, I said, well, you know, it would be good for you to maybe buy some land because he didn't he didn't own anything. And uh, uh, he's just, you know, renting somewhere. And I said, you know, you get some land. Uh, you know, it's not like land is real expensive around here. In some areas, it can be cheap. Now, a good piece of land, sure, you're going to have to pay what it's worth. But there are some properties that you could get um, maybe they're not flat. Maybe they're not level. Maybe they're on the side of a hill or something like that. But nevertheless, they're for sale. I said, hey, it would just be good to buy some land. And he thought about that. He said, yeah, that would be good. He said, you know, I've always had a dream, though, of owning an island. So he's got this dream. Now, he's like many who uh, have these things cooking and swirling around on the inside and so he has a dream on uh, on the inside of owning an island i said well i said that's interesting i said it would be kind of fun to have your own island i said what would you do with it he said you know i haven't really thought about that i said i guess i'd be, i'd get out there i said well if you have your own island you're going to need infrastructure you would like to get internet out there you'd have to get some electricity out there and then you're going to need some fresh water and you have these other variables involved. I, he said, yeah, I didn't really think about that. I said, though, I said, but even still, if you had your own Island, would you use it for the Lord? And it's like, it was like a statement. He had never thought about it. In other words, are you, are you going out to the Island so you can get away to fast and pray? (laughs) No. Well, are you going to go out to the Island? Maybe, maybe you could replicate what St. Columba did, uh, St. Columba lived on this little island off the coast of Scotland. It was called Iona, and he went out there, and he established a mission base, and he had 12 men with him, and uh, these men were uh, were monks, and then the monastery began to grow, and as the monks were trained and skilled in the things of the Lord, uh, it was basically a mission base, and they would be sent out as missionaries, and they began to evangelize many, many areas of Europe, especially England and Ireland and Scotland. Oh, my friend, are you going to get an island so you can use it as a missionary base? Oh, no, I'm not really into that. I think I just would like to have it to go out there and go fishing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nothing wrong with having the dream. But do you see that many things can be doomed from the start because you could pour effort or money into it. But if God uh, and the interest of God are not involved. How excited is God going to be about that dream when it doesn't have any uh, uh, God factor in it? Mm. These are things that we have to think through. Praise the Lord, and that's why the Tower of Babel was never completed. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what about Hannah? We've looked at her a lot over the fa- uh, the past few months. And we, uh, initially when we saw Hannah, she is not happy. A lot of weeping, a lot of crying, a lot of moaning and groaning, a lot of, uh, uh, wailing and a lot of tears because there is a dream that she has on the inside of her. And it's, it seems like it's never going to happen. Uh, so we know what that dream was. She wanted to have children and, uh, Uh, She's in a place where she can't. Her dream is not being fulfilled. But we have seen in Scripture that when Hannah put God first, her, her greatest dream was fulfilled. Let's see that very quickly today in 1 Samuel. And that would be chapter 1. And that's going to be in verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So that was her dream to have children. So it wasn't happening. So she reconfigures the dream to get God involved. And once God was involved or his kingdom interest, because God needed a prophet, (laughs) then uh, suddenly God has a tremendous interest in her dream and seeing it fulfilled. Why? Because now it's a God based dream. Praise the Lord. So now let me share this. And this is a secret that a lot of people don't know about dreams. When I say people, I'm talking about Christians. A kingdom dream secures all other dreams. And that's a secret that not many believers know. I want to share it again. A kingdom dream, not just your own dream, but a dream that has the interest of God intertwined primarily into it, at the forefront of it. A kingdom dream secures all other dreams. Well, like, what do you mean, Pastor Stephen, by other dreams? Well, we're in First Samuel 1. Let's just flip over. You'll see very quickly the chapter 2. And look at verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah, so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So she initially reconfigured her dream and said, okay, one primary dream, a child for the Lord. And that also gets me out of the category of being barren and now as being a producer. So that one kingdom dream secured all other dreams, and now she has multiple children. So if you get the kingdom dream first and foremost, other dreams that you have they're going to get pulled through also. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. All right, now, we have to keep all of this lined up. This is very important. Let's go over the Romans chapter 12. We're going to dig in some more today because I know that you have a dream. I know that God has placed a dream within your heart. Amen. But we want to see it brought out into the light. We want to see it brought into full fruition. So we want to work with God's will. We want to work with God's word. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12. Let's go to verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Now that, in a sense, would be the world system uh, the fallen nature of things in the earth, or just the, the, you know, the sin nature, things like that, that are being practiced in the world. Don't be conformed to that worldly system, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So when you get saved, your spirit is born again, but your mind is not born again. Neither is your body. So we have to work with our minds on a continual basis for renewal, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove so you can actually know. And I think it's one of the biggest questions that many believers have. What is God's will for my life? In other words, what am I here for uh, to accomplish and uniquely get done that only I can do. In other words, you have a unique fingerprint. Nobody else has that, never has had that, or ever will. And there's also destiny and purpose packaged into your DNA, natural, spiritual, even spiritual DNA, of things that God put you here for, not just to walk around and enjoy the earth, which you should do, but purpose and destiny, so so that you can prove, so you can actually prove it. God's will. You can can verify it. You can draw it out, okay? So that you can prove what is that, number one, good, and number two, acceptable, which many translators also call permissive, which is a very good translation of that, and perfect will of God. Now, some translations, when you read this verse, kind of bake these three categories all into what would appear to be just one category of the will of God somehow being all of it being good acceptable and perfect but the will of God has three different categories and they are uh, it's better to understand God's will when you can see it in these various stages or categories and the first two stages actually you don't even want you just want to stick with the third one okay you have the good will of god you have the acceptable and i'm going to call it permissive because uh, some translations use that word permissive so you have the good will of god you have the permissive will of god and you have also have watch this the perfect will of god you could even call it good better best oh praise the lord you know in the olympics they have three uh medal categories you have bronze you have silver you have gold now in the original olympics there was no second or third honors or, or uh, awards. It was just one. You know, you got the olive wreath, uh, you know, the put on your head, which of course was very temporary. <laughs> Those leaves were probably starting to die within just a couple of days. And, you know, you might as well throw it away. But there was only one primary prize. My friends, I want you to go after the, the perfect will of God. But first, let's understand the other two categories. And the first one actually would be the good will of God. And it's very, very plain. It's very, very simple. The good good will of God is to be born again, is to be saved. Thank God you're saved, washed with the blood of Jesus, and you're on your way to heaven. Now, if you just arrive in heaven having walked in the good will of god then you step into your eternal reward of having gained heaven everything that jesus purchased for you you're able to you know uh, step into heaven but it's not like you're going in with any type of reward you're you you just made it as some say by the skin of their teeth Woo! as some say having escaped by fire you made it (laughs) but you know what it's still good because it's so much better than going to hell. So the person could have spent eternity in hell, but they received Jesus. Now instead, they spend eternity in heaven. So in the light of that, in that context, you can see that that really is good. Praise God. It's wonderful. Glory to God. All right. Now, let's move on to number two because we have a lot of Christians who, floating around in this second category. It's a very, very large category. Mm. Oh, it's it's amazing. Now, keep in mind, our primary context today is your, your kingdom dream, but we want it to be your perfect, your perfect kingdom dream, not a permissive dream, okay? What is the permissive will of God? Well, it's It's what God would permit or even allow you to do, even though it's not His perfect will for you. And one of the great examples of this, as we see in the Word of God, let's turn over there in 1 Samuel chapter 8, would be Israel getting a king when that's not what God wanted for them. We're going now over to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I want us to drop down to verse 5. Well, verse 4, let's start there. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. And that was a problem. Now, Samuel was not like Eli. Eli was really lazy. And uh, Eli really knew all the the corruption of what his sons were doing. Uh, Samuel was doing a better job. Samuel himself was not corrupt. Samuel did not take bribes. But at the same time, uh, we have to acknowledge this would certainly be an error of him putting his sons into a place of leadership when they are not qualified, not qualified by any means. And so the people are concerned about that because Samuel's getting old And they don't want these two crooks, who are his sons, you know, continuing on and the way that's going to negatively affect the nation. So verse 6, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now let's come down to verse 19 and we'll have a better understanding of why This was not something that God wanted, at least not for this time. 1 Samuel 8, verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations. There's the problem right there. They want to be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Well, uh, even with their best arguments, uh, it's all uh, uh, you know something that can't hold together because God was already fighting their battles. And anytime they look to the Lord... Uh, and, you know, of course, many times they were the reason they were in bondage was because of their rebellion and their sin. But any time they turned to the Lord, they would win their battles. So <laughs> you don't need the king to uh, take you out in the battle and help you win. You're already winning when you have the Lord on your side. And even Samuel trying to dissuade them, telling them all of the tremendous changes that this is going to bring into their life. Uh, such as verse 13. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain. So you already have to give the tithe to the Lord. But now the king's going to take it. He's going to take his own tithe. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to us officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. Wow. Well, my friends, the problem here is not so much that this was never God's plan for kingship, but rather a wrong motive and certainly wrong timing. Now we do see in the book of Deuteronomy, let's take a look there just for a moment. This would be Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14, that eventually God uh, was going to bring them into this system where they would have a king. Verse 14, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. And then he begins to give insight and instruction when that time comes. But it came with very strict guidelines and oversight. Verse 16, But he that would be the king shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Now you're already thinking about Solomon. Absolutely, because these specific guidelines that were given for the kings that would one day come, Solomon broke every single one of these rules. And here was the problem that would befall Israel. Most of the kings, there were a few exceptions, but it was very few. Most of the kings, when they Took kingship, they were in it for themselves. And they didn't really have a heart of love for the people, they had a heart of love for themselves. And it was all about enriching themselves, bettering themselves, and uh, the kingdom would suffer. So, number one, don't ever go back to Egypt and don't ever buy horses from Egypt. But yet, that's what Solomon did. Number two, uh, which is verse 17 neither shall he multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away. And that's exactly what Solomon did, multiplied wives. And if he, if the king were going to have a wife, she had to be an Israelite. So not only is he multiplying wives, which he is forbidden to do, but these are heathen wives from the other nations. Now, somebody could say, well, they're political alliances. That's why he's doing that. But it doesn't matter. You can't justify... Uh, the wrong and say, well, we're trying to make good out of it. No, it's wrong. God said, don't ever do it. But yet Solomon did it anyhow, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So the thing with the king is that you're not, you're not here to be a businessman you're not here to be a CEO and raise up another corporation over on the side. You're here to be the king. And we need you focused on what a king does, making right judgments, not running around over here trying to do all these business deals and international trading just so you can, you know, uh, you know, get into mining and all of this and bring. No, no. Let, let others do it. Let the businessmen and businesswomen do that. The king needs to stay focused but Solomon broke that rule also. By the way, one of the ways that uh, of many as well as international trade, but one of the ways that he increased and multiplied the gold and the silver was through extreme taxation. I mean, he had the Israelites under tremendous financial burdens. He's riding high and they're getting they're getting taxed on everything. And that was wrong. That was wrong. Even Solomon Uh, brought Israelites into forced labor to build his house. That's in the Bible. That's, you know, so he, he's, he was losing it and he's getting distracted and he missed the main thing, which was verse 18. Also, it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself. All kings were, were required to do this. He shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. So the king was not only supposed to read and study the Torah. He was supposed to write the whole thing out himself and then study it and, uh, you know, have the priest teach him and be constantly mindful of that. Why? So he can make right decisions. What is one of the primary uh, definitions of wisdom? It's the ability to know the difference between right and wrong, good, and evil. And the law uh, just brings it all right out into the open. So if you're off doing all these other things, getting all these uh, heathen wives and running all these business deals, you're, uh, you know, going down to Egypt buying horses, uh, how are you supposed to govern as a king? Well, my friends, uh, you know, Israel missed it. And when they missed it, what happened they got into the permissive will of God. And it wasn't God's perfect will. That The perfect will for the king is going to come later. Now, we know that Jesus, the Messiah, is the king of kings. Okay, that We know that's in the future. But also, you know, uh, it just caused a lot of heartache. It caused a lot of problems. Why? Because of the uh, motives, timing, all of that off. Now, God got his man in there with David. But even still you had very few good kings thank you lord jesus well the israelites eventually realized they had really blown it and they admitted it let's go over there first samuel chapter 12 and let's go to verse 17 verse 17 is today not the wheat harvest i will call to the lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. And they did that after Samuel tried to dissuade them with all of the information of what the king and the the other kings are going to do with all this heavy taxation, taking your sons, taking your daughters. Wow. And they still wanted a king. Why? They want to be like the other nations. So it was a rejection of the Lord as their king. Oh my goodness. Verse 19, and all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. My friends, in the Old Testament days, or in the Old Covenant, the people of God were his servants. The New Covenant is much better while we do serve and we understand that, you know, we, we we want to honor the Lord and serve him with our lives. Technically, though, we are no longer in that category of servants. We're actually now called children of God. And that is distinct for those that are in the new covenant. We are God's children. So as his children, you don't want to find yourself in a place where you are Uh, in this permissive will where you're doing something that's not God's best, but you want it so much, you're going to do it anyhow, because maybe it's a dream you have. And there could be something about that dream that is from the Lord, but you're taking it maybe in a timing or in a direction that God uh, is not giving the okay on. But by the way, um, if you ever get into the permissive will of God, which is not God's best for your life, I can just tell you right now, uh, your prayer life is going to go up whether you want it to go up or not. You're probably going to find yourself praying more than you ever have, not because you like or just having the spirit of prayer, but because of all of of the stuff of the difficulties that you're going to run into from having made that decision. You know, um, Arthur Burt was a very unique minister. He lived to be 103. He actually came and ministered a lot in Moravian Falls, although he was from Wales. But uh, he came, he he crossed the Atlantic, I think, over 100 times. Uh, He ministered a lot in America, a lot here in North Carolina. But when he got older, he said, I don't pray as much as I used to. Now listen to what he said. There's a lot of wisdom in this. He said, and I think he said this when he was around the early 70s, but he said, I don't pray as much as I used to because I don't make as silly mistakes, as many mistakes as I used to make. So he basically said that his prayer life is a lot easier now because he's not praying, oh God, help, oh God, fix this, oh God, get me out of this, because he's not making those type of mistakes any more. praise God. You know, it's a real joy to pray when you're praying, not from a position of, you know, maybe you're in some kind of trouble or you're in something and you're like, Oh God, who, uh, you know, like, like Israel. Well, we got a King now. Yeah. You're, you better do a lot of praying because Saul is nothing but trouble. He sure is handsome. He's taller than everybody else. Good looking can talk real good suave, sophisticated, and smooth, but oh my goodness, he's going to take you guys to the ringer unlike anything you've ever experienced before, <laughs> and he's insecure, and he's got all these uh, you know, issues. Wow. It's going to be a mess. Get ready to uh, f- uh, have your intercessory prayer closet ready to go because you're going to need it. Mm-mm. Wow. Nations can make this mistake. A state could make this mistake a church could make this mistake and God can allow it because if you're not willing to go for the perfect then and you really want it he's like okay it's going to cost you more than you know wow so that's something that you need to be aware of praise the Lord well having said that let's talk for a a little bit today about the perfect will of God. I hope I've scared you out of the permissive will. (laughs) Woo. Praise the Lord. Let's talk some about the perfect will. And let me mention just uh, a couple of things of why few Christians, few Christians, let's be honest, few Christians make it into this area of the perfect will of God. Hmm. Why? Number one, number one reason why they don't get into the perfect will is they just simply don't know what belongs to them. They don't know. They don't know that divine healing belongs to them. They don't know that God does miracles today. They don't know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is for them today. There's just all kinds of promises and blessings they don't know. Are they saved? Yes. Are they on the way to heaven, washed with the blood of Jesus? Yes. Is their faith in Christ as Redeemer solid? Yes. But do they know these things? No. And so we have the scriptures in the Bible, such as the one that says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so you could be saved on your way to heaven, and just having a really rough go at it because of things that you don't know. So, if you don't know, you can't step into it. You don't. You can't get into something that you don't even know exists. And this is why the teaching is so important to have the Word of God put into our hearts, because the Word of God unveils the will of God. So we have good, we have permissive, and then. We have perfect. And the reason, again, that so few Christians get into the perfect will of God, number one, they just don't know. They don't know what belongs to them. Mm, Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a lot of Christians that think God. They think God wants them to be poor. And they don't know that when Jesus died on the cross, hung on the cross, he paid the full penalty for everything that sin and the curse of the law brought upon humanity. So there's, in Christ, there's deliverance from poverty and lack and financial frustration. There's deliverance from sickness and disease and all of these awful things that are out there. But you have to know, you have to know what Jesus did for you. Okay, number two, there are many Christians that do know, but they have weak faith so they can't get it to manifest in their lives. They can sit there and read the Bible and they can see it right there on uh, on the page in in clear ink and they can read it and they can say yes, it's true, but they're distracted in so many areas and they don't take the time to meditate on the word and therefore they have weak faith. So they they can't get into the perfect will of God because uh, you can't please God without faith. And so what happens? They're either left in that good category or they're stuck in that permissive category. Mm. And if you're in that permissive category, you're also in an area where the devil, he can, he can uh, take shots at you because if you're on his turf, Uh, let's say, let's say you buy a house and you buy that house out of God's will because God didn't want you living there, but you, maybe, maybe you like the grass. Maybe you like the building. Maybe you like the the way the home looked. you buy it anyhow. And then you, you buy that house and suddenly you've got the neighbors from hell. But when you, when you bought the house and when you looked at it, they weren't home. Maybe they're at work during the day. But uh, you come home uh, and now they come home after hours and they're over there blasting uh, their, their music or they have a pit bull and he doesn't, he, they don't keep him on the leash. And, uh, and, and, all, and you've got little kids and on and on it goes and it's turned into a mess. And plus, maybe they're just real nasty people, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so you're just like, oh, my goodness. So the, so the enemy now can take shots at you because you've done something that, that has put you in the permissive wheel. And it's not God's perfect will. And it's a tough, tough place to be. I've, I've known preachers who have um, bought properties that were out of the will of God. And from the get-go, it was nothing but trouble. It was nothing but trouble and, oh, like dilemma. What does all that mean? Back to the prayer closet. Just praying like crazy. God, get us out of this one. Wow. My friends, let your dream be crafted into kingdom advancement, but let it also be crafted into the perfect will of God. Mm-mm. Lest you hold your dream, not God's dream, but your dream, and you've got all this baggage with it. Wow, you don't want that. Yes, Israel got their king. They got their king, all right, but oh boy, they should have waited. But my friends, we thank God we can get into the perfect will of God. Now, sometimes with repentance, with repentance and uh, right heart attitude and willing to make corrections, sometimes you can reverse out of things and get back on that express way that God has for you. Okay. So he's very gracious. Now let's talk about the perfect will of God and the perfect will of, by, by the way, let me say this. There's three areas that keep people from getting into the perfect will. Number one, again, people don't know what belongs to them. Talking about Christian people. Number two, they may know, but they're weak in faith, so they can't, they can't make that step. And number three, they can be disobedient in certain areas. And disobedience gives the enemy the legal right to put up roadblocks. It gives him the legal right to, to be able to do things that will be block you from getting in there and as long as you're in disobedience you can't go into that place of God's perfect will praise God now the perfect will of God is the place that you want to be it is a place where you can live in health without ever having to go to the hospital unless you want to go visit somebody there and perhaps pray for them or bring them some flowers or go to cheer them up. Amen. But the perfect will of God is a place of provision. doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. Doesn't mean that the enemy won't try to resist or stop you, but there's always a way through with the Lord in this area. And it's also the place of dream fulfillment. It is a place where you can walk in divine health. It's a place where you are protected from accidents. It is a place where you can live out not half of your life, but your full life to the point where you get to that old age where you've done what God has called you to do you've accomplished it and now your body is old and you're kind of wore out and you just go you just go to be with the Lord and that's it amen and you live your life without uh, without pain you live your life without slip-ups and accidents I meet Christians sometimes that just seems like every every week they're having some kind of accident um a fender bender or a wreck or, you know, slipped or, you know, broke a leg or, you know, hit their head on something and just on and on it goes. Why are those things happening? Mm -hmm. You want to move into the perfect will of God. What's that like, Pastor Stephen? Well, it's like Exodus chapter 23. This is what they had even under the old covenant. Praise the Lord. Exodus 23, verse 25 and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away, away from the midst of you. Wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Can you see again how that permissive will is where many Christians have pitched their tent and they've camped? And the problem is while they're camping, they've still got this dream and they're still wanting this dream to be fulfilled. My friends, you've got to get into the perfect will. Push with everything you've got. Make any adjustment and press on today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, so much good in there. Look for a moment At Deuteronomy chapter 29. This is fascinating. I really like this. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Pretty dangerous place, by the way. Your clothes have not worn out on you, just as new as the day they bought them. Amen, or got them. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. All of that walking, 40 years of walking, and the shoes still look brand new. You know what? If God can protect their clothes, where the clothes aren't torn and ragged and wore out, and if God can protect the shoes, where the shoes aren't snagged on a rock or a cactus and shred it, God can keep you from ever. Having an injury. Glory to God, where you never break something, crack something, bust something, (laughs) or or do something that uh, creates a permanent disability. See, God protected them for 40 years in a very dangerous place. Praise the Lord. Old covenant, how much better is the new? God has angels watching over you. And in Psalm 91, Psalm 91, we see in verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You get into the perfect will of God. You get into a place of longevity, of long life, of protection, of health and joy and strength. Oh yes, you're still in the earth. You're still in the world. You're in it, but you're not of it. Praise the Lord. And while you're going through it, you're protected and you're walking where? In the perfect will of God. Now, my friends, I want to conclude by saying you have a dream. In order to see that dream fulfilled, make sure that God is in the center of that dream and that that dream is linked to kingdom advancement. If it's not, it's a selfish dream, and you may have a challenge in getting God interested in that dream, okay? So you want your dream to be connected with kingdom advancement. Number two, you want the dream to be walked out, worked out, and fulfilled in the perfect will of God. See, it's, it's the perfect will of God for man or woman to be married Now, there can be some that have the call the celibacy. That's fine. But in the normal course of life, most people are going to want to get married. Well, yes, it is, Pastor Stephen. I've got scripture on that, and I'm going to marry who I want. Well, see, again, you could get very quickly into the permissive will of God by marrying someone. Maybe the person's a Christian, but that still, that still doesn't mean that's the person that God has for you. You have to get these things right or else, oh, I could foresee a lot of prayer in somebody's future because they, they're they going to want it their way. Mm. There are some things you have to get right. Particularly uh, for those that have apostolic calling, my function is, uh, out of the fivefold ministry offices, uh, is apostle, prophet, teacher. That's what I do, apostle, prophet, teacher. Now, I go by the title pastor, but I do that in a sense, because in, in the Western culture, if you, particularly where I live, if you tell somebody that you're an apostle, they, they almost come unhinged to the degree that they actually think that you're one of the original 12 and that it actually frightens people. So I used the word pastor a lot because around here it, it's what they think of as a minister. Okay. So I just say pastor or else I've got to stop every single time and explain to them, no, I'm not saying I'm one of the 12 because that actually throws a lot of good, uh, uh, Christians around this area. It just throws them in the fear if they hear that word. So (laughs) I just simplify it. Amen. And besides the, the, the empowerment is never in a title. It's in, it's in, the grace gift, okay? But I function in the ministry offices just like the Apostle Paul did of Apostle, Prophet, Teacher, okay? That's what he functioned in, and that's also the same direction that God has taken uh, uh, my calling in as well. There's some that just stay in Prophet, maybe Prophet, Teacher. There's some that maybe they're Pastor, Teacher, but mine is Apostle, Prophet, Teacher. But let me say this for uh, any of those watching that would be called uh, in the Apostolic, when it comes to the apostolic, the place where your base is at is critical. You cannot live just anywhere. I know some evangelists who can. Uh, I know actually quite a few evangelists who um, have even told me that God told them, you can live anywhere you want. And so a lot of them pick the center of the country. Maybe they'll get Texas. Or maybe they'll take Colorado. Why? Because you're halfway to your destination. If you're in the middle of the nation, if you're going to go to California, you're halfway there. But if you're going to go to Virginia, you're already halfway there. But as an apostle, uh, it's very different. You actually have to hear from God and receive from God the location of where you're supposed to be based. It's different. Amen. And you you have to get that right. You know, um, you, you build or establish or put down... Uh, That headquarters in the wrong place. Um, It's you could pray all you want. Uh, It's never going to be what God wants it to be. Bishop David Oyedipo, they're building right now a new sanctuary, a new facility that will seat 100,000 people. And uh, this man of God admitted that he almost selected the wrong site. Now they're moving forward with their first phase which is a $250 million U.S. dollar phase. Don't worry, all the money is Nigerian money, okay? They don't need any American money. They're doing just fine, right? But uh, can you imagine if they'd put $250 million in the wrong spot, and it's a spot that God will not honor or bless? Wow. So as an apostle, you've got to get these things right. And uh, on those, if you don't get it right, there's going to be probably a lot of tears, lot of crying. Praise God. I know in my heart, we got this place right here, but see I re- uh, where we're at in Moravian Falls, but I received a prophecy from Bishop Bill Hammond, And he said, you're, you're in a phase like David, where David went from Hebron to Jerusalem and you're going to have your new ministry headquarters. And so that's what happened when we got the 14.5 acres. That was the land that God had for us. That's where we're going to put the new television studio. And by the way, all of you that are sowing into the Yom Kippur debt-free offering, I want to say thank you because those offerings are going to be used to pay off the debt and move forward the plan that God has for that beautiful land, glory to God! Thank you for helping us to buy that property. It is absolutely beautiful. I haven't had one person yet come out on that property and stop and say, "My goodness, Pastor Stephen, this is a beautiful property." It is. There's there's pine trees that are hundred feet tall. You 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 would think I just took you to to the Sequoia National Forest in California. Okay, well they're not all that tall, but it's. It is absolutely a beautiful property, and it's strategic right where it's at. But my friends, this area of dreams and also uh, good, better, best, um, good, permissive, uh, and uh, but you want to get in perfect. I, I just want to encourage you today, just skip those other two. Skip good and, and permissive. Go right into perfect. <laughs> and whatever it takes, stay in that zone. Amen and you'll see God's blessing on your life. Hallelujah. You'll be a stranger to the hospital, unless you, like I said, unless you want to just go there and pray for people or somebody needs you to come visit them or something like that. Wow, glory to God. You know, I talk, I talk to quite a few Christians who are in the hospital, in pain, have a lot of challenges, and every time I talk to them, I try to put the word into them. But I can tell. I can tell there's something there that, uh, because some of them, they're, 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 there often, but see there, there's what's going on. Usually it would be that area where, uh, there's weak faith because most that I would talk to, you know, that call me for prayer from that, from there. Um, uh, of course they don't want to be there and they actually know about all the healing scriptures, but, um, you know, maybe their minds are on all kinds of other uh, things and, uh, whatever, whatever it is that, that, that faith explosion is not there. And of course, once you get behind, as we say, get behind the eight ball and now you're there, well, it's, you know, there's time windows. And so you don't always have the luxury to catch up now, right? When you're middle in the middle of the war. So then you have to consider, you know, other options such as have the surgery, such as take the chemotherapy and, or whatever the case might be, you know, so, but uh, it's never too late with God's grace. Amen. But preferably you want to stay ahead of all of this and be walking in the perfect will of God and maintaining that. And when you do, you're on the way to longevity. You're on the way uh, to God's blessings flowing in your life. And you really have to press See, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You really have to press to get into that perfect will of God. And then once you've uncovered it, you see that path, then to stay on that. Amen. Glory to God. But it's good. I mean, it's, it's a narrow path, but I'll tell you what, it's fully illuminated. Absolutely. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you right now that your dream will come to pass. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are watching. They have kingdom dreams. I thank you, Father, that I pray today that they catch the revelation that actually all of their dreams are all tied with the one dream that is most strongly connected to kingdom advancement. I pray, Father, that this revelation be distilled in their spirit and they understand it and that they make any adjustments necessary to step into this phase of dream fulfillment. Thank you, Father God. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We thank you, Father God. Each day they get closer. We thank you, Father God. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Woo, glory. I see God doing it for you. Praise the Lord. And you you could also see that when you're in God's perfect will, oh, absolutely. You you could see how this could unfold actually easily. It's just going to begin to unfold. Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. If you're watching today and you don't know this Jesus, who is Lord of lords and King of kings and the true Savior, then today you can make your peace with God. I want you to pray this prayer. Just pray this right now. Just talk to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Separate it from you. Separate it from Almighty God. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. Come into my life. Wash my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Save me now. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. And Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, has heard that prayer. And you now belong to him. Praise the Lord. Move as quick as you can into the perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you one thing, you've already, you've already gotten into the good category. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. I remember um, one man, he's a preacher now, and he had gotten saved, so he was in the good category. I mean, he just gotten saved, gave his heart to Jesus. And, uh, uh, you know, all, he's all excited. And then the very next service he went to, Um, The preacher said, if you're living in fornication, God will not bless you. Things will not work for you. And you're sinning against God. And he went to the preacher after the service and said, what's fornication? He says, it means you're living with somebody you're not, you're having sexual relations with also, but you're with somebody that you're not, you're not married to. You're having sex with, and you're living with someone you're not married to. He goes, oh, okay. He went home. Went back to his house and there was a lady friend. He said, out, out you go. I just got my life right with God. And I can't, I am not doing this. Okay. What's going on? You're moving very quickly from good. Okay. You're getting, you're getting it. So, so oftentimes we're saved. You got all this baggage, unload everything. That's not pleasing to God. Rush, run into the perfect will of God. That's the place of dream fulfillment. And that's also the happy zone. The happiest people on the face of the earth are not the drunks laughing out on the street outside of the bars at three o'clock in the morning. No, that's fake. That's actually misery. Meet meet them at six o'clock with the hangover and then talk to them if they're happy. The happiest people on the face of the earth are the believers walking in the perfect will of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take holy communion together. I want to encourage you to get some of these little communion sets. It has the bread and the juice. You can buy them online, and when you travel, you can take them with you, and it just makes it so much easier to take communion. It's not like you have to have a big thing of grape juice or, you know, uh, bread somewhere. You just have these, and they're very inexpensive, and it, anything that helps you to take communion, uh, you know, move that direction, okay? So, uh, if you don't have one of these, of course, grab some grape juice or whatever you have, some juice, and uh, a little cracker or some bread, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. That is, we set it apart as being holy right now through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, right now we just received the Lord's flesh, and we thank you that we will settle for for nothing less than your perfect will. Father, let it be unveiled to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Help us to see it. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We praise you. Deliver us from any deception, the deceptive path. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we receive his flesh, these truths are being enforced in our lives. Let's receive right now. Praise the Lord. Somebody needs to say, my days of accidents are over. Your days of slipping or falling off the bike or whatever it is are over. Praise the Lord. I had a situation about two years ago. I went out to the park. I was there with my um, son-in-law, the grandkids, they're all there. And, you know, uh, they're all really in the, you know, off-road mountain biking and stuff like that. And, of course, they had an extra bike. And so I jump on the bike and uh, we got to this part of the path where there was this little skinny bridge. And you know, it's, it's designed for people that are pretty good on mountain bikes. So you're going to ride this. I mean, it's only, it's only like this, this wide and you've got to, you fall off. There's a drop off on each side. And then, then it goes like this, goes up and down. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a real balance tester. And so I felt, Peace in my heart to do it. And I did it. And I went through it and I felt really good. And of course, you know, grandkids thought, wow, uh, he, you know, he, he's, he's really something, you know, and uh, son in law is like, oh, Yo, wow, you know, uh, uh, you, know, you know, all that, you know, felt real good. Okay, we go back to uh, our little picnic area, relaxing. And they wanted to do it again. And something instantly in me said, you did it once. God blessed it. Don't do it again but I thought, well, I, maybe I should, maybe I'll just do it one more time. Did it again, got to that part with a little skinny bridge and it goes up like that and comes down real quick, went to the top and fell completely over the handlebars off in the side, went crashing down, (laughs) hit right on my head, had a helmet on and, uh, lay there. And, uh, but I, I was totally fine. But I knew I, the instant it happened, I knew shouldn't I shouldn't be here. Why this this was disobedient to the Holy Spirit. So I just repented, got up, not a scratch, not a headache, not nothing. But but also it's a, you know the Holy Spirit helps you be careful. You're on the perfect path. Once you are one and done on that, and so so you know so all these little nuances of the Spirit, you pick them up. Amen. Lest we have an accident. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Keep us in your way. Protect it safe safe from harm. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's protecting and cleansing blood. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. And thank you also for honoring the Lord by sowing your best seed and doing what the Holy Spirit shows you to do concerning our special Yom Kippur Debt Freedom Offering. God bless you. Have a great week. See you back soon. Bye-bye.